Memphis, 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 Hi, this is Tom Izzo at Michigan State, and you're listening to Grizz 901. What up, Grizz Nation, and welcome back to another episode of Grizz 901. I'm your host, Daniel Greer, and we're back with the draft. And you know what? There might just be one person out there not listening to this. There might just be one person out there that doesn't love our draft analyst, but we (laughs) all love him. You love him, too. He's Ryan. What's up, man? I am doing pretty good. Uh, a little questionable today with the weather, but getting to work outside. So uh, it's a nice day, but a good yeah. break to talk about some draft prospects. A hundred percent. Yes. So um, if you're listening to this, I might sound somewhat the same. Uh, Ryan, he's on the road, so he's going to be sounding a little bit uh, different than probably his normal, uh, but we should sound pretty much pretty close to what we are so if there's any audio issues i blame it on ryan not not myself everything on my (laughs) end great uh but let's get into the draft for today we're going to cover a lot of the bigs and yes they might might not be the center position right but they're big guys um so i don't want to go into and put people just in boxes but we're going to cover four people and that's going to be ishmael kamagate nikola jovic walker kessler and mark williams so with those four guys, we're going to go ahead and get to it right away. Ryan, who do you want to cover first? Is it Kamigate? Um, We can do that. I, you said that's big guys, and three of them are, in fact, centers. The one who's not an actual center is going to be Nikola Jovic. So I don't know if you want to start with the more kind of like bigger wing forward guy. Um, yeah, or let's just do it. Go, okay, so let's start with Jovic then, since he's not going to be a post guy. Like the red, the other three are going to be very specific roles. We know what their path is for the NBA. Jovic is kind of the wild card of these quote unquote bigs. Uh, six, nine and a half without shoes, nine foot standing reach, um, almost seven and a seven foot and a quarter wingspan. So not a great wingspan for him. But he's a pure offensive gunner, which, you know, we said in the previous episode, the guys with shorter arms typically are better shooters. Um, So he's got a little bit of a below average wingspan, which probably lends to him being more of an offensive guy because the big knock on him right now that draft people and analysts are questioning, I think teams are questioning is what's his defense look like? Um, Because that's his biggest issue he has plenty of drive and he, and he gets pumped up when he scores on offense or has big dunks. But I think the question is, does he have that same kind of drive and competitive spirit to do it on the other end? So I think before, you know, because before starting the season um, last year, Jovic was getting a lot of buzz as a lottery pick and potentially top 10 pick, top eight pick. And then his kind of season unfolded in, um, I believe he played in the Adriatic League. Maybe not. I can't remember. I might be mixing up my leagues now. But he was basically an offensive guy who was terrible on defense. Now, the thing about him is he's a pretty bouncy athlete. Like, he's pretty interesting. He's going to be best in the open court and pulling up from three. 
And if you watch the highlight package of him, that's what you're going to see, dunks and threes. There's not – no one's going to show you on his strengths, which a lot of draft people do with these YouTube videos. No one's going to put his strengths defense. Uh, so that's the biggest question, especially for the Grizzlies, is do you want someone who's projected to be a really interesting, potentially elite perimeter wing with great size at almost 6'10", um, probably 6'11 with shoes on, or is the defense worry you? Um, so the defense is the big question. But the thing is, is if to me, if you're competitive on offense, that it means to me, it means you at least have the drive to do it. So when you get into the NBA and be like, look, you're not going to get all these pull up, all this stuff. You need to hang your hat on defense or need to improve if you want to play for an NBA team. I think he has the drive to do that. So I think the defense could get better where he's a, you know, manageable defensive player, but a potential rock on offense. Um, but his role is kind of who does he guard right now? It's it's an interesting fit for the Grizzlies who, you know, you could take, they can kind of afford to take a role, the dice role on someone like this who could be potentially awesome. Um, like pairing him with Zaire on the two and threes, you know, on the wings. Zaire in one corner and Jovic in the other. I mean, running with job, that's a very, that's a very interesting potential um, shooting the ball. But the question is with him is going to be his defense for sure. Yeah. He's six eleven in shoes had a, you know, roughly a little over a seven foot wingspan uh, standing reach was, you know, nine foot and a half. Um, he does weigh 222 pounds. So that was a, you know, the fact that he does have a little bit of size on for a guy that's that big, that, that obviously helps a little bit. He's not skin and bones. Uh, but if you watch some of his highlights, a lot of it really is exactly what you said. It is the dunks. It is the three-point shooting. Uh, but I have uh, the, the comp that I've seen on him the most is uh, uh, Dano Gallinari, whatever his name is. Yeah, Danilo. Uh, yeah, Danilo, whatever his name is. Um, that guy. Um, so the comp is uh, on Gallinari. So he does look like that a lot. But my main question, and I'm going to give this to you, does he fit? the Memphis style? Like, does he fit Grizzlies basketball? Does he fit the team? And I'll give my thoughts on that, but I want to hear yours first. Yeah, I think he fits the team in, you know, the Grizzlies fast break, right? And I think he fits kind of that flow and go second unit team right now. Um, Like, he's not obviously the cerebral player defensively and offensively that Kyle Anderson is. But if you had a guy running the Kyle Anderson spot in the second unit, he can actually spread spread the floor. You give up a lot defensively, of course, but offensively, you might actually get a little bit of a pickup just because of his shooting chops mixed with his athleticism. Okay, well, uh, so my thinking is just after kind of looking at uh, the roster of the Grizzlies, the only player that I that I see and I'm not using Dylan Brooks I'm not using um, a guy uh, like Brandon Clark I'm looking at a guy like Santi Aldama he is obviously he's played in the states and he's done all that but this guy is you know overseas right he might have a little bit of a language barrier I don't know exactly 
But does he have the same things in common that this young team, a group of young guys have? And a lot of times that's chemistry a little bit like basketball is an international language, right? It can all speak the same language, but I worry because I haven't seen it yet. Does a international player, is he able to slide in and be helpful on a team that's got a bunch of young dudes, mainly all Americans. And I, I just, I look at how they, you know, how their swag is right. And how they, their approaches. I don't know if a player like that fits and that's not to talk down on anybody in general. I'm just trying to see how do you mesh people? Cause when you walk into the room, you find like-minded people normally. And so I'm always curious how these international players would fit into a locker room. Like, would they actually fit in well? And yes, I don't think it's that big of a deal on a guy that you're drafting in the twenties, potentially Uh, maybe more into the top five, the top 10, but that, that it's always a question of mine. And I've always wondered about that because I've never actually dealt with that on a, on a large basis. I did in college, but not on a large scale. So is that ever an issue, do you think, that might actually happen in the NBA in a, in a locker room? Yeah, it's potential for that, especially if it's an extreme culture shock, um, which probably someone uh, probably someone from Europe going into the Grizzlies locker room is probably a major culture shock. <laughs> right. Um, but, but the thing is, you have to be competitive. Like, if you're going to be a European that comes into the Grizzlies situation or anybody that comes into the Grizzlies locker room, you can't be shy. Right. Uh, you have to be a competitive person. And from what it looks like with Jovich, he has it on offense. Okay. He just hasn't really shown that competitive edge on defense yet. So I, I wouldn't think he would have a problem fitting in. Now, he might struggle with a more limited role where he's not playing, whereas, you know, Santi Aldama, who by all accounts last year wasn't expected to be drafted but was all of a sudden taken in the first is kind of just happy to be here. Right. Right. So he's not going to make waves and he was, he may not be happy with it, but he wasn't going to make this big, you know, he's going, wasn't going to make a big deal about not getting any minutes. Um, He understood the development side of it and why he was there. Um, So Jovich being a guy who was playing in a, you know, middle tier league in Europe, might have a harder time transitioning if he's not getting any minutes and wondering, Hey, look, I should be playing or why am not, I not getting any minutes. So there's a potential for not a role acceptance. Um, but I think he's so young that he's obviously not a draft and stash. He'll want to play right away. I would believe. Uh, I just, I think if you're going to go for it, it's because of the offense you're interested by the six eleven wing forward similar to Zaire um that's probably a better shooter than Zaire potentially long term um and so it's just the defensive side of it if you compare like if he hits for example with Jovic and he's awesome and his defense is average like he doesn't even have to be elite um and Zaire continues on the trend he has you're looking at a potential offensive lineup of Ja Bain Zaire, Jovich, Triple J. Um, who are you guarding in that five? You know, it's right. it's a very hard team to guard. We just don't know the projection of where they are on defense. Now, the other thing about Jovich that I haven't mentioned yet is he's not much of a ball, like he's not much of a creator. 
So he is limited in that, little turnover prone. So those are things that are, you know, red flags. I mean, he, to me, he has feel for the game, um, but it's it's offense right now. And that's why you would take him is if you think he could be, you know, maybe midseason or next year, an offensive firepower weapon in your eight-man rotation. Yeah. Um, all right. We spent plenty of time on uh, Nikola Jovic so far. Let's go ahead and go <laughs> with the other international guy because a lot of the same questions, right, um, you know, with the fit, with the, the international player, that all still stands. So we're not going to cover that this time. Uh, but let's go to Ismael uh, Kamagate here. Yeah, Kamagate is a big question mark. Um, I think at the beginning of the season, I think he may have played in Adriatic League. I might be mixing everybody up, though. But he's 6'11". Um, Seven three wingspan. He's got really good hands. I mean, he's always a lob threat. And the thing with the remaining three guys that we're going to talk about, these are true centers. And these are guys where we know pretty sure what their role is. Um, so he's going to be a drop coverage big, which most teams in the NBA play like that. He's going to be a pick and roll dive guy. Um, and he's going to be an offensive rebound, protect the rim, which for some reason, the Grizzlies have Grizzlies fans I've seen have an appetite for this kind of player. Um, and a lot of times I've heard Walker Kessler's name getting mentioned. Don't worry, we'll get to Walker. Walker. But Kamagate is a guy that I actually think has um, potential to be a pretty good five. If it's someone that you want to roll the dice on with the rim protection. He's uh, kind of on the vice versa of Jovic. He's very competitive, offense and defense. Um, he's got potential for the short roll decision-making, which was big for us with Steven Adams. Steven Adams gets that ball in the short roll, and he can make those passes to the dies or to the corners. Um, Kamagate has shown flat flashes and touch on that. Now, he's still a long way away from being – you know, probably a starter, but this is a guy that if you're going to invest the time, if you're going to take a swing, then this is a guy that could reap benefits and results in year three or year four. One of the biggest things, which has probably given him the biggest steam up, um, was, you know, everyone's kind of consensus number one pick that's like the next NBA unicorn is Victor Wembayama who we've kind of heard about for four years, right? And he's seven foot three wing player. Uh, that's a guard, basically. And Kamagate kind of owned him this year. So I think a lot he's getting a lot of steam because they're like, oh, look what he did to the potential, you know, the basically the number one pick, unless something drastic changes in a year. Wimbayama's gonna be number one pick in 2023 in Kamagate owned him um so i think he's getting a lot of a lot of steam from that where he's getting a first round look um, now he's probably realistically a second rounder but if you're banking on potential if it's someone that you're interested in for the grizzlies which there's a whole different discussion about centers in general and my thinking about them which is not popular with a lot of people but um, if it's someone that you're interested in, of the three remaining, I think he has the potential to have the highest ceiling. So wow. he's raw, the rim protection, 
And he shows signs of a mid-range shot, but he's not going to be asked to do that in the NBA. Um, so think Mitchell Robinson when you think a lot of these guys, uh, because that's kind of the role that you're you're looking at with these three guys that are remaining. But Kamigate, to me, has the higher ceiling of the remaining two that we're going to talk about. Wow. First of all, that's telling, and I don't agree with that, and I'll explain why later. <laughs> um, I'll wait till my guy, and everybody probably knows who that is by now, uh, who that would be. But I would, um, I like Kamigache. I've seen uh, the very little t- uh, tidbits and uh, some videos about him. Uh, he is 21, so he's on the older side of what, you know, I guess what Jovic was. Um, but also, he does have a little bit of a post game to him. But it's all back down, back down, and then throw the throw up the hook. So there's not much to him in the post. He does not have much passing ability, but mainly the blocks, the size. Uh, he he looks athletic for the most part, from what you know, from the little videos I've seen. So I, I do think that he would be a good swing. I don't know if he's ever going to be a starter in this league. I just don't. I don't think there's any potential for him to be a starter. So it depends. What pick would you take with him? If we had both picks with the Grizzlies, the 22nd and the 29th, would you burn the 20, 22nd pick on a player like this? No. If he's – if it, it depends on who they get first at, 20, at 22, but if you're looking at him at all, it's with the 29th pick. Okay. Um, I just – there. I, I think there is potential for someone to take him and I'll say this right now. I think he gets drafted above Walker Kessler. Um, mm. And I'm just saying that now. Uh, so just, you don't have to take it to the bank, but that's going to be what I bet on basically when we get all these props coming out. I mean, the draft's what, two weeks away? We're going to start getting some draft numbers and lottery, you know, uh, selection spots, over unders. And I think Kamagate actually gets drafted over Kessler on draft night. Oh, I like it. I like it. We're definitely putting money on that because yeah. <laughs> speaking of the next guy, Walker Kessler, let's go ahead and bring him in. And if you're a Walker Kessler fan, I'm just going to let you know. I'm not putting in the timestamp. I'm not going to put anything in here. This is going to be a surprise to you whenever we start talking about it. But this is your only warning. If you are a huge Walker Kessler fan, <laughs> I would just go ahead and fast forward five minutes, right? The next five minutes, you probably shouldn't listen. So if that tells you anything, me and Ryan are, uh, I wouldn't say we're spot on with this guy. Uh, we're not in the same, you know, lock and key. He's very much on the more hate than I am, but I understand <laughs> where he's coming from. And I agree more than I disagree. So let's hear a little bit about Walker Kessler since I've teed it up. So nice. <laughs> no, I mean, I'll give, I'll be fair. Um, but Walker Kessler, seven footer, true seven footer without shoes, uh, nine and I think it's nine foot, five inch standing reach, seven foot, four inch wingspan. Um, he is a good shot blocker. Like he had really good rim protection this year um, at a very elite level in the SEC. Now you can call into question the SEC and the guards there in general, um, but he did put up those numbers. So you cannot be ignored. Everyone says he's a rim protector, elite rim protector, 
and I'll give him that for now because he actually had the production in college. Um, I just really question everything else because I think there is sentiment out there that, oh, he's going to be able to stretch the floor. He's going to be a pip, pick and pop big. And th that's just not going to happen. Um, now he's going to try. And sure, will he get maybe average or a little below average because he's in the NBA and that's all he's working on? That's possible. Uh, but he left North Carolina. I, I mean, I'm not going to look into all the why he wanted to leave North Carolina. I think it was because, if I remember correctly, which you might know better than me as being a Duke fan on why he left, but wanted a bigger role and didn't want to be just a back-to-the-basket big man. He wanted to showcase skills to NBA teams that he believes he has. Um, and so I think that's one of the bigger reasons why he went to Auburn. And now his game didn't look that much different at Auburn, um, maybe a little more to the detriment of Auburn. I mean, he's paired up with the potentially number one pick in this draft in Jabari Smith. And it was kind of like twin towers that wanted to shoot jumpers. Uh, the problem is Walker Kessler is like a 20% jump shooter from three. And I think he wanted to show off that he could shoot threes. Like that was the big hit on him is that if he's going to be an NBA player, he needs to have a shot. And so I think that's part of the reason why he went to Auburn. Um, don't take me as for sure on that, but just from kind of remembering what happened with that situation, that's what it felt like. He was not happy with the situation and wanted to show more of his game. Um, the reason I'm not in love with his potential as a three-point shooter, quote-unquote, is that his shot is pretty stiff. His load-up is not great. It's not fluid. It looks super robotic. Um, and sometimes on shot attempts, I mean, they're just not even close. I mean, sometimes he's shooting it air ball far right of the rim if he's on the left wing, and then sometimes he's short of the rim. There's just a lot of inconsistency there, which – Sure. You get with an NBA team, you're working all the time just on basketball. Will you probably get that dialed in and better? Possibly. Um, but I just do not see him as actually becoming that kind of shooter. And this is why I have, you know, Kamigate and Mark Williams as better players than him, because what is he in the NBA if he's just a rim protector and not giving you nothing else? Uh, because I don't think he's super athletic. He fouls a lot. He falls for fakes. He has jumpy feet on defense. Um, he's very upright in his position. So he's got okay mobility, I guess. Um, he does have some feel on offense, but it's the NBA. It's not the SEC where half the players in the SEC can't shoot outside of six feet. Um, he's, I think he's going to have a real hard time in the NBA guarding people. If he has to get away from the rim and even at the rim, I don't expect him to be a superior shot blocker. I think that kind of numbers that he had today or had in the SEC last year um, are kind of not fake, obviously, because he actually put them up, but smoke and mirrors E, if that makes sense. So his role to me, he's always going to be a bench player and I, would consider him very fringe role player if he plays at all. Um, now he might get with a situation with the team that's just dragging the bottom of the barrel right now. And he might get minutes, you know, right away. 
Um, but I long term, I would not use a first round pick on Walker Kessler. I don't even have him in my top 50 NBA players in this draft, potential NBA players in this draft. Um, I would not waste a first round pick on him. And I would be shocked if anybody in the first round did. I got a couple of questions. UNC's uh, Baycott or Walker Kessler, which one would you rather have? If Just in general, if you had two of the players and you're doing pickup basketball, both of them are right next to you, which guy are you bringing on your team? Um, if I had to choose, I would probably take Walker Kessler, if I'm being fair. Okay. Well, uh, But if I – like if – I don't want either. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's a whole that's a whole different discussion discussion <laughs> completely. All right. So um from what from what I'm understanding and what I know, he was definitely the guy who I feel like he had he was behind, kind of hidden behind the post depth that they had on the team. Uh Baycott was was kind of finally coming into his own a little bit more. Um, and that's kind of the reason that they went away from Walker Kessler probably. Uh, but also he did want a change and I do know that COVID hit him as well as everybody else, you know, fairly hard. And he's originally from Georgia. So going back home always helps if you're able to go back closer to home. Uh, and so I think that was a big decision. I don't know if, if anybody actually really knows the reason. I just think he wasn't in a good spot, probably mentally where you need to go back. Uh, home and be a little bit closer to the family, especially to a hard time, you know, in our country, in the world. Uh, but then he was probably fighting for some time with a young, with a player who is coming up just like he is, and he's having to battle against Baycott. And so, and, and you saw how well he finally did this year. He finally came on a little bit more uh, as they went to the championship game with UNC. So I, it might've been the right decision overall, but in the end, I, I, I'm not a big fan of Walker Kessler either. But the things I've seen on him is he potentially can get the shot, but it isn't pretty. It doesn't look great, but he can eventually develop that a little bit more. But, but what is he? And that's kind of the, the thing you had. Is he a guy who can defend the perimeter? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. He's way too stiff. And I don't know. I think you're the person who likes talking about uh, the hip movement and all that, kind of, uh, that other stuff. Little too inside <laughs> basketball for me, but yeah, we're we're not going to get into flipping your hips here. On yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> no flipping, no flipping of the hips today. Uh, but <laughs> I, I don't see that the hip movement. I don't see you know the flexibility that he that he has to almost have to be able to guard the perimeter. And so, with that being said, a lot of the blocks that he has are chased down blocks on in transition. And I think that the the perimeter or defender that everybody's saying, the shot blocker he is, a lot of those came from those transition where he was able to get you know help back on the defense. So um, I don't love the player. I think that you can get a player like this that might have potentially more upside with more athleticism, which I think you need a a rim runner. I don't think he is this. I don't I don't think Walker Kessler is a rim runner. And if his shot isn't that great, I would rather have the rim runner over someone like, you know, Walker Kessler, who hasn't really developed and shown that he can develop the outside shot. Yeah, I just think there's a very strong ceiling to what he is. And I think that's kind of the question with 
you know, this is why I don't really, if they're not like a generational type forward slash center, I just don't really get drafting a center to begin with in this modern NBA. Um, but like, I just don't know what you do with him. And I just don't know where, like, where is he going to be? Like, what does he have that keeps Taylor Jenkins from not being able to play him? Like, what makes Taylor Jenkins stupid for not playing Walker Kessler because Walker can do this? Um, There is no outlier skill where you can say, well, at least, you know, we're dumb not to play him because he gives us this. Um, I, I, I hate to be down on the kid, but because everyone seems to really be enamored with this potential quote unquote that he has, but I think you make a good observation with his blocks. A lot of them are chased down. And, you know, if you watch the highlights on his defense, a lot of times he's just getting burnt on the perimeter and a switch or on a hedge. And then he's just chasing back that guy that blew by him. Um, like but it's, it's not the sec. Like this is the NBA. Um, he's just, all these guys are going to be drop coverage bigs and that's what Walker Kessler is going to be. I just don't know if his rim protection quote unquote is going to be that elite to where you warrant, you have to play him. Um, so he, he looks like he has a very specific role, but I don't think he would be good in that role. If that makes sense. Yeah, let's say the Grizzlies draft a guard or a shooter in the the first round, and at some point they were able to make a trade, uh, however it happened, and they were able to get – they do have the 47th pick. Let's say they moved up into the the 40th range, and even the 47th, if you want to go down that far. Would you be okay if Walker Kessler is still there, getting him at 40, between 40 and 47 area? No. Okay. (laughs) So you don't want him on the team at all. You're I just don't. I just don't want him. Uh, now, I look. If you're getting into the fifties and there's really nothing else, then maybe um, just to see how he does in summer league. But I don't want him at all. Okay. And I mean, there's just not very many centers I want at all. I just think you can find, like you said, you can find people like Walker anywhere. And yeah, I just, I would not use draft capital on someone like Walker Kessler when I can find the same thing in a G league big who's been doing it for four or five years. Yeah. It's for the same role. Yeah. I I like that observation because the simple fact is I think in two years, you can probably go get Walker Kessler as a free agent. If you want to and try to redevelop him um, (laughs) and not have to actually spend draft capital to get him. Um, all right. Last guy, Mark Williams. I, I am a Duke Homer. As everybody knows, I was not a huge Mark Williams fan in his first year in college. This last season, he completely redeveloped himself. He became a little bit more polished than he had had been. And so I, I learned to love Mark Williams and his game this year. And I do think he's the most polished out of these uh, other three guys of the, the group of four. I think he's the most polished. I think he will go in the top, for sure, the top 20, probably in the top 15, I would imagine uh, the player that he is, especially with his size and ability. Um, go ahead and give me a little bit about Mark Williams. Yeah, I like Mark Williams. 
I think he's getting a lot of lottery buzz because there's just a such an obvious role for what he's going to do for an NBA team. Um, he he does have starter potential if it's in the right organization, uh, but there's just such an obvious role of what he's going to be. He's going to be a drop big, block shots, and he's going to set screens and he's going to roll to the rim um, and offensive rebound. That's what he's going to do. This is Mitchell Robinson all over again, which Mitchell Robinson in his draft, there was questions about the uh, – Mitchell Robinson was probably going to be a lottery pick and should have been in hindsight. But I think there's a lot of questions about his background and why he was at Western Kentucky. And I think there were some issues outside of basketball that were concerning NBA GMs. And that's why he fell into the mid to late 20s, I believe. And the Knicks scooped him up. Um, Mark Williams doesn't have those question marks outside of basketball. Went to Duke. Seemed like a great kid. Seems like everybody likes him. Um, Competitive. And he just has that role, and which is at least worth something in the NBA, right? Regular season, at least. <laughs> Not sure how much of it you'll see, how much he'll be worth on a playoff championship team, but there is an obvious regular season role for him. Um, so defensively, I like him better than Walker Kessler and Kamigate because he stays on his feet and doesn't really fall for those up fakes from guards. He's very quick leaper. I think he's more explosive than Kamigate and definitely Kessler. Um, I mean, his just catch the ball and he's at the rim immediately. And it probably helps that he has a nine foot nine inch standing reach, which is insanity, which is actually two inches larger than what Rudy Gobert measured when he came into the league. Um, But he does have a seven foot, uh, six and a half inch wingspan, which if you're comparing directly Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert's was two inches more, seven foot, eight and a half inch. Uh, but they're basically the same size. Um, he is smaller, not as broad and wide as Gobert. So I don't want to say this guy's going to be a defensive anchor for everything. He's going to be a much lower level, which I think is more comparable to Mitchell Robinson, right? Mm-hmm. So his basketball game, which I think makes it why he's so obvious in a role for an NBA team and an eight man rotation, is because. He doesn't really have a game outside of dunks. Like, he has touch. You've seen it that he has actual soft touch around the rim and some, you know, jump hooks and stuff like that. But he's not going to get the ball on offense in the post and be able to turn somebody over, you know. So he's just like an obvious Mitchell Robinson, Kevon Looney guy. And that guy is valuable, right? Um, He's not going to be a pass or anything he's not going to be a short roll facilitator it's not going to happen but he's got good touch around the rim he's going to always be a lob threat he's massive uh he's always going to be challenging shots he's active the big question mark is what is he going to look like on perimeter on defense um now as a drop big and regular season not so much a problem right if you're talking about projecting Mark Williams as a potential playoff big man, I don't think you can project him as being like a starting anchor big man on a deep run playoff team because there is questions about that perimeter defense. Is he going to be able to halfway stay in front, which it's not, it's, I'm not trying to be unfair. None of these centers are going to be able to stay in front of guards on the perimeter. Um, 
guards in the NBA have a hard time staying in front of guards in the NBA. I mean, just ask Marcus Smart what it's like to guard Steph Curry in the NBA Finals. Like, it's just reality. Drew Holiday, who I think is the best guard defender in the NBA for the past decade, um, can still get blown by by NBA guards. So it's not like I'm not drafting Mark Williams high because, oh, he can't switch out on the guards. None of them can, okay? Uh, but you draft him as a lottery because of his role. You know what he's going to give you. You know what Mitchell Robinson gives the Knicks, right? Yeah. Um, and so that is a valuable player that you want. And I think he he's his such obvious role and his explosiveness is just a tier above Walker Kessler. And he's more ready, like you said, and I completely agree right now than Kamigate. And that's why I think I like Kamigate more than Kessler is because I could see him, even though he is a little bit older, not much, he could get to that Mark Williams steady role level where I don't think Walker Kessler ever gets to. So I'm a big fan of Mark Williams. I get why he would be a lottery pick. I mean, still, if I'm an NBA team, am I really pulling for a center in the lottery that's not transcendent? Uh, You know, I'm on the fence on that. But I think he warrants being a lottery pick for what he will give NBA teams. Yeah, I think he has a lot to offer. Um, And what was kind of, and I know we've talked about this in the past, about uh, free throw shooting. Uh, what it could be, it could mean that you actually have a decent shot, right? Because if you're a bad free throw shooter, then probably your mechanics, there's a lot wrong. Um, and the fact that he gained, he went from a 53% free throw shooter in his first year to a 73% free throw shooter going up 20% in one season just shows that I think that this guy has a little bit higher ceiling than what he's at right now. Like, I think where he's at, he's going to potentially get better with his shot in general. And with that being said, I think that he can move out and shoot maybe a three or two a game, maybe hit one, maybe not, right? But at that point, you're able to stretch a little bit out of the the offense. But mainly, he was a guy who was catching lobs. He was he was the guy that was dunking the ball. I think he was he ranked third in dunks in, the, in college this year. So, He's a guy that's going to be around the rim. I don't love that he isn't a great rebounder. He averaged 7.4 rebounds a game. That's not big, especially a seven-footer, 242 pounds. Um, what well, his body fat was, um, what was that? Let me find it real quick. It was like 7.4 or I'm delaying this as I'm scrolling, looking for his body fat percentage. Um, anyway, yeah. oh, it, it was super it, it, low. It was crazy. <laughs> But he, he's a guy who I think can guard the perimeter a little bit more than these other ones just because I think he's shown a little bit of you know flexibility and where he can actually get down and guard. He, and he did that, if you watched him during uh, the NCAA tournament, he was actually being pushed out to guard people on the perimeter. Uh, I found it 5.4% body fat. Seven, two in shoes, 242 pounds, 5.4 body fat. God dog, he's shredded. But um, yeah, I, 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 I wish I was just like close to five, maybe like 15% body fat would be great for me. Um, but I do think that he is a player that can be the Mitchell Robinson. I, I like that uh, comp for sure, because I think he is a guy who knows who he is now and it's only going to get better. I'd say in the next few years in his shot potential, I think everything else is fine where he's at. I do think his shot can come along. 
I don't know if I love him in the top 10. I don't think he's a guy I would ever draft in the top 10. Top 14, that's hit or miss depending on who you are. A team like the Charlotte Hornets, I think he's the perfect fit. If I was the Grizzlies, no way I would trade up to get him in the top 15. There is no way. Now, if he falls to 18, 19, and you're having to move up three spots, and maybe you let go of your second-round pick to move up three spots, that's fine. But I would not trade much to move up a few spots just to go get him, and that's kind of where I stand. And so if he's there at 22, I would probably take him because I think he he is a good person Mm. that you can move on from Steven Adams from easily uh, in two years because you have Steven Adams this season. I would, I think he's a great player who could develop in a year to give you exactly kind of what Steven Adams has given you this year. Yeah. I, a, a couple things. I don't ever project him to step out and shoot a three. <laughs> huh? I think he'll only ever shoot a three. If something happens on a tip out and he's out there at the end of the shot clock, you just got to throw it up or at the end of the quarter. Or if there's I like a contest for a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing horse or something yeah. like that. And he has to shoot out there. Uh, I just don't project him to ever be that kind of guy. Um, and I will never be on the side of combining draft capital to move up to take a center. <laughs> right. I'm just not going to do it unless, you know, I can move up into the draft and get Chet Holmgren. Then sure, <laughs> I will uh, put some draft capital together and get Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bancaro, but I'm not doing it for someone that's a mid-potential lottery player. I do think there is th- – this is the thing about him. This is why we're, I'm putting it out there now for draft props mm. uh, to go ahead and start making your board if you are a gambling person, which we might have our own pod talking about those kind of lines. I don't know. I guess I have to ask you about that, Danny. But um, – His line is probably like he's fixated right now with the Hornets. Everyone is assuming the Hornets are going to take a center and the Hornets have had plenty of opportunities to take centers in the past. Um, So if his line is at 12 and a half, 13 and a half, wherever the Hornets range is, um, I would take over because to pencil in a draft line with one specific team, All that has to happen is one guy go above where they're not supposed to, and it changes everybody's boards, right? So even if the Hornets have him and they're top three on the board and, you know, one guy should go before and he doesn't and he falls to the Hornets, guess what? They're going to take the other guy first, and Mark Williams is going to fall. So he is a prime guy who's getting a lot of lottery buzz right now, and I get it. He does fit a certain role with a couple different teams. But he has, he has, he's the one with real potential to fall down into the 20s. Um, and that's what I think is going to happen with a lot of these centers that are not Chad Holmgren um, and Fords like Paolo Bancaro and Jabari Smith. I think a lot of these guys that are fringe lottery guys, you're going to see them fall on draft night. So just putting that out there already. So if, lines open up or something and it's 12 and a half to 14 and a half I would go ahead and take it over um without any intel at all because I think putting a draft position based on oh he's a perfect fit for the Hornets everyone on the internet is saying that he should go the Hornets the Hornets need a center 
does not mean the Hornets are going to take a center. Um, and more likely than not, you're pinning all of your hopes on one team taking him at a 13 or 14 position. You need one out of 30 teams to take him there. Usually it doesn't happen. So just a little tidbit trying to help you out. Um, so I don't know if any of that stuff is out, but just putting it out there. All right. So real quick, I'm going to go ahead and break down. I'm going to go back to your stuff real quick. The 20th, we do have a draft predictions podcast we will have out. So just expect our draft predictions, who the Grizzlies will take, what they might do, any trades or anything. We're going to give you all that just on one episode on the 20th. Okay. The draft is the 23rd. We will have that on the Monday before uh, the draft that's coming out. Tuesday, we do have a Spotify Live. We're going to go with the Sleepers Media. Uh, we're going to do that over on Spotify Live. So it will be a nice you know, live thing where you can come in, hang out, ask questions, come up, uh, come up and ask questions, whatever you want to do. Uh, but the 22nd, I just penciled down, we're going to have a best bets <laughs> episode. And we're going to go ahead and put you on the spot. Mark Williams, draft position, 12 and a half. Over. Where, what book is that on? DraftKings minus 115. I guess I'll have to load up my account again. <laughs> I, I haven't I mean, used DraftKings in a year, but I'm going to have to load up the account. I'm going to have to look at all these books now. 12 and a half, over. I have, I have a favorite of ours. He's, he's my favorite fit for the Grizzlies. He will okay. never be available. AJ <laughs> Griffin. What do you think mm. the number is on AJ Griffin? I would say it's Six and a half. Ten and a half. Really? Okay. Interesting. Yep. So a lot of fun things. We will definitely have those real quick. This has been a longer episode than we probably expected to do, but I think we went too long uh, depth because this was a standoff podcast. We we did together. The other ones we've done, we've kind of bunched and we we recorded those back to back to back. So there's been a little (laughs) bit faster. We're starting to slow down a little bit more as we able to have more time, even though Ryan's probably busier now than he was then. Fit for the Grizzlies. You give me yours, and I'm going to give you mine. We'll go back and forth until we end with Mark Williams. Nikola Jovic, fit for the Grizzlies. I'll give him a five. Wow. Because of the offensive potential, but the defense is the big question. Okay. I'm going to give him a seven just because I think that he Mm. fits what the Grizzlies need, and I think that he's a good shot blocker, but maybe he isn't great on the perimeter. But if he's able to fit in this team, he's – He's definitely not going to be a two or three, I wouldn't think. I think he does – he would move into the four position. And at that point, I think he can figure out enough how to, how to guard. So uh, let's go with uh, Kamagate. Kamagate, I'm going to actually give a – see, this, this is the thing that's what's hard about these centers is because I'm not a huge big fan of centers, traditional centers. Um, so I kind of have to boil it down to – what he could potentially offer for the Grizzlies in the future. And in that aspect, I think I have to give Kamigate a six. Mm, Um, Just because of, if you need the shot blocking, sure. I'm not sure about the fit on offense, uh, because even though he does show flashes of being able to pass the ball and see windows, um, I don't think he's your – if you're trying to replace Steven Adams with a like, play, like a similar type player, I don't think any of the three remaining guys are your guy. So from that respect, I'm going to give him a six. 
Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give Kamigate a five just because I think he's athletic. I think he is a project, complete project. And I don't know exactly at the end of the project what he looks like. So yeah. I'm going to have to say <laughs> he has potential. So with that, I'm going to give him just a flat five. I think that makes the most sense. Walker Kessler. I'm going to give him a four. And that's only because he put up good shot blocking numbers last year. I just don't see what role he has with this team where he contributes. I gave him a four as well. So hey. uh, <laughs> we're both on the same page there. All right. Mark Williams, the last one. Yeah. I'm going to actually give him a seven because his role is very obvious. Um, just a little bit higher than Kamigate because I think he is more ready now. Um, but he is not going to be that offensive hub from the elbows that Steven Adams can be. It's just not going to happen. He's not going to be doing the dribble handoffs. He's not going to be throwing backdoor passes. He's very limited to a backup role for this team right now. If he, if he was drafted by the Grizzlies, he would be a backup role to come in, mess things up, protect the rim, uh, mess things up on defense anyways, uh, protect the rim, run the floor, and slam home alley-oops. And so for that reason, I think he's more ready. I'll give him a seven. Yeah, I gave him an eight just for the fact that he go, he went to Duke. But um, the, <laughs> the second thing is, is I think that he is a guy that can develop that passing. He can develop, you know, the screening potential. Um, I think he does cover up a little bit of Jaron. I think that's beneficial right now, especially as he's growing. Um, but as long as you're able to get him in your spot that you're at, I think he's a that's a great get. And so with that being said, I think he'd be one of the better fits that you can get in that position if he were to fall. So uh, that's all we have. We're going to go ahead and uh, keep giving more and more stuff out to you. Uh, we have more episodes coming out. The next one will be the draft risers, people that are kind of off the radar that people aren't paying attention to. They have kind of start to rise even more. They're becoming uh, more mainstream names. Uh, but like I said, we did this months ago. And so these were people that were completely off the board. And so we had to change the off the board uh, group to <laughs> off the board slash risers because they are potentially, uh, they're definitely rising. And I know one of these guys will probably be, you know, I'll say that the next two episodes, one of the guys that we're going to mention will probably be one of the guys that I actually predict the Grizzlies to take in the draft, whether it be 22nd or 29th. I, I have one of those guys penciled in as the guy I think the Grizzlies will actually draft. So I'm excited about doing these next two podcasts. Uh, I believe the last one's going to be the second rounders. And so people that I think the Grizzlies could target uh, in the second round and maybe potentially late, you know, 29th pick if they were to, you know, go ahead and just grab somebody like they did with Santi Aldama. But uh, Ryan, anything else you have before we get out of here? I don't uh yeah those those draft driver risers that's gonna be fun because they've been on our radar for (laughs) four weeks or two months and now they're just household names for shooting up everybody's boards so it's gonna probably look bad but hey the intent was right yeah yeah like i said we did it so long ago we're just like uh (laughs) these people are now picked to go in the first round and they were not so All right, that's all we have. We're going to be back here. Don't worry. Just make sure you tune in Monday. Next Monday, we will be here back and better than ever. Be nice and tell your friends.